Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. And this week, I am joined by my two best Keyforge friends. I have June with us this week. June, what's going on? Hi, it's Blake's Keyforge friend. It's Sydney's Keyforge friend. It's your Keyforge friend. <laughs> What's up? Yes, yes, June. So great to have you here every week. Things are just so much easier now, I feel like. just Things just flow better. Uh, Sydney, you're here, of course. What's going on? How's your week been? Oh my gosh, so many amazing, awesome things. All of them Keyforge. Oh, well, let's hear about them. Tell us about these awesome things. What's What's been happening? Cool. So I... I haven't personally planned a pre-release, but uh, Dan, Dr. Sheep, uh, planned one up in Wisconsin, the Sanctum Gaming, uh, Sanctum is the name of the store. And I think the it was a lot of fun. It was really great. Shout out to uh, Sunday who drove two hours from Chicago. Yes. Um, right? My but friend. <laughs> one of the things that I thought was the coolest was they had their game found decks the ones with their store logo on it uh, as as part of this this event. And so I was able to come home with one of them and it's just so cool. Like my favorite part of the whole thing is that the box itself that contains the deck has a little cutout hole where you can see the back of the deck where the logo is. So like you can see that it's awesome and special before you even open it. And I think that's just one of the coolest things they could have done as, as prizing and as a game found reward for the stores who backed. I think it's a really cool PR thing. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah, I like I like that. I think it's a, a really great idea to have um, not just a name, but like there's a logo there too. That's a really cool aspect of it. Yeah, I'm totally. a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely going to start collecting them now because I, uh, I don't know if um, they want people to know this, but I totally stole one of the ones that uh, by stole. I mean, I was I was given it and was very appreciative. But Archon's Corner made some of these using their logo through, uh, you know, not nefarious uh, ways, not at all. Um, but I, I also have one of theirs. So now that I have two, I feel like I have to start collecting them because whenever you get one of something, it's special. But once you get like two or more of something, you started a collection. So I'm just going to like continue getting my hands on as many as possible. Um, but speaking of prizing, so <clears throat> my local game store is having a store champs and uh, recently got all the information from Ghost Galaxy about what's going to be in the kit that he ordered. So I thought that I would share that with the world because I know like not seeing it in front of you makes it like third party, third person hearsay. But the fact that I I trust my game store owner and I'm planning around this being what's in the kit. So um, just wanted to share this information with everyone. Uh, apparently it comes with three premium key sets. So I'm, I'm thinking what that means is three sets of three keys because these kits are supposed to support three different tournaments of eight players, each one for Archon, Alliance, and um, Sealed um, for 24 players total. And uh, so to continue, so three premium key sets, six special decks. We have no idea what special means. It's just special decks. 24 haunted indicator cards, which June, they totally stole that idea from you. That's okay. Um, uh, I'm cool with that. <laughs> and then what's, I think, the the most important part of this kit, really, four table signs, one advertisement poster, and an information sheet. So my store is actually going to have a poster from GG that mm-hmm. has Keyforge on it in the store. So, like, store champs aside, he's going to be displaying information about Keyforge to the general population that comes into his store. And I'm, it's definitely more than what I was expecting. Like I'm, I'm super impressed by all of this. For those who like attended worlds, we know that they have the capability of like printing things same day with like all these like cool graphics and whatnot. So I'm curious what these will look like and if they'll have anything about the stores uh, on these posters. I love the way you think. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. So, well, that's all very exciting because we're we're literally around the corner. I know I'm hoping to have a pre-release in the next week. Hopefully, as you are hearing this, the the weekend that follows will be me playing a pre-release. That is that the the shipping the shipping gods were were in our favor. Uh, that's always <laughs> that's always an X factor these days. But yeah, I, I still don't know anything about the the store championships for for my local. But I am very all this information makes it very exciting for yeah. sure because I, I do like those little collectible items that they have there. Oh yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing when it says prizes for eight, that must mean that 
they they have prizes for top eight is what that must mean. No, what that means is so each kit is prepared for three tournaments of eight players each, but it's just basically prizing for 24 players. So the way that we're doing it, unfortunately, because uh, my, my store could only spare one day for us because he has like unfortunately paying events for other games that are happening the rest of March. So he gave us one day and we had to decide like, are we doing one or two events? Like there's no way we could possibly do three unless we ran them at the same time, which would have even less people. So we're going to throw one sealed event on that day. And hopefully if we get more than 12 people, then at least it'll be worth it. Like not splitting it up Archon and, and sealed at the same time, but we're going to have one sealed event and we are going to throw a hundred percent of the prizing at that event. So like the, for us, we're going to do the top three, get the three premium uh, key sets. And if, if we only oh, have okay. nine people, oh. then the other six will get the six special decks. If we have more than nine people, we're going to put them into a, a raffle um, and, and raffle them off that way. But either way, we're, we're going to make these, uh, all of these prize, the prize from one kit is going to go to our one sealed event at our store. Are you going to have a third that. place playoff then? So basically, if we don't have to do 2LO, then there will be, uh, like, if you do Swiss, there's always rankings. And even yeah. in the, the play style app, when we were at events previously, they did have rankings. Like, it was something they added at this last KFC. So mm -hmm. hopefully we'll be able to, like, use that information. Like, I'm... I'm I'm guessing we'll have 2LO because we've been told that Playstyle will be ready, but we're preparing just in case it won't. So yeah, either sure. way, what we expect to have rankings to be able to hand these out without making people play like for 10 or 12 hours just to determine all of that. Yeah, fair. I would, at the 11th hour, I would definitely want to play that game <laughs> personally. But this is I me. mean, <laughs> if they want to, sure, totally, absolutely. Yeah. But if, if they don't, then at least we have the information we need to like determine yeah. who gets what. Yeah, good yeah. call. All right, now let's get into this week's episode, which I was super excited about, um, and it's curses. That's right. There's a new thing that entered Keyforge to be just the most flavorful with this whole Grim Reminders trope that's been going on, and that is the idea of curses. And not only that, but a keyword trait called treachery, which states this card enters play under your opponent's control. So you're basically giving your opponent a curse. And they all come in the form of an artifact, and each house has one in this set. Now, I've already done a video on a specific curse that I released last week. Um, this card, I got somehow two of, not in the same deck, but two decks with it. So I got experience with it, and I've just been playing Grim Reminders in a goldfish capacity. So I've actually gotten to be the person who is cursed and is also giving out the curse. So I, I got to experience both sides of the coin simultaneously. Um, and now we're just going to have a little discussion about each of these curses. And I think, are they overpowered? Is we're going to kind of be where we're going with this? Do they feel balanced? Is it missing maybe something that would make this more fair? Um, we're going to have all these kind of conversations right now. But before we get into that, just a simple one word answer and it's either they're overpowered or these are perfect and that's what i want so curses as a general overview june how do you feel about them they're perfect sydney how do you feel about them Ooh, i don't think they're as overpowered as they are mean i'll say overpowered okay. if if that means mean okay I, I'm with June. I think they are very well designed and near perfect. That's what I'll say. Near perfect. I, I starting to understand where Sydney's perspective comes from here because she gave us a mm -hmm. little bit of a rant before we went on air about how she doesn't like the curses because of how mean she feels playing them. And and I just I understand now. It's it's your general nice nicety versus inflicting this pain on someone else and, and you're not a fan of that. Yeah. And can I like just jumping on something you, you said where it introduces the new word treachery. So just for fun, two of them, uh, the, the Curse of Cowardice in Robnar doesn't have the definition of the word treachery. And mm -hmm. um, the uh, there's one other that says versatile. Um, and so that means it can be used on any player's turn. The, the, the problem is because these cards are coming from my deck, 
And treachery means they are uh, entering play under your control. That means that if you don't know what that word means, your uh, rules card, because the card isn't in your deck, might not say treachery. So yeah. it's it's just something where it's it's even just just to start off with a little bit confusing. Especially on TCO, where like you won't have access to your opponent's card. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it's interesting that only the Brobnar one doesn't have it because right? I mean I mean they I all wouldn't have a say it's more text. wordy. It's it's not more wordy than another one. The Curse of Disappearances actually has yeah. smaller text so that it can fit in the definition. Yeah, so that that is interesting. Um but let's let's get into these curses themselves. Is does anyone have one that they're like, I love this one, it's my favorite one? Yes. Okay, June, you go first and let's talk about that one. All right, this one's from Equidon. It's called Curse of Spontaneity. All right, real quick. I know I'm like, I'm a big art person. So I love that these arts um, are from houses and feature like these house mechanics, but picture creatures from other houses and everyone. So Curse of Spontaneity features an Aquan creature. Um, and uh, true to its name, at the start of the owner of uh, the spawn, well, start of the controller of Curse of Spontaneity's turn uh, of their draw step, you discard your hand. So basically, when you would go to draw, you discard and then draw up to six or seven or five, whatever you're you're drawing to. The reason why I like Curse of Spontaneity is, well, first of all, like, it's just good. Like, if your opponent is playing Coda, they can't hold their Miasma or their library access or, like, all these things that are, like, really tough for decks that aren't archiving their important pieces. Um, you know, holding is a very important part of Keyforge. Uh, and it also messes with your ability to handcraft. Like anybody who has punctuated equilibrium knows, Sydney. Um, <laughs> like it's really hard to like get out of like a two-two through three-two-one split um, if you're not handcrafting. And Punk helps that a lot, and so does Curse of Spontaneity. But the reason I really like it um, past like that just goodness is that. I, works in a really cool way with the other things that Equidon does in this set uh, with regards to like giving your opponents cards, like some like heavy card draw for your opponent, like Tachyon Manifold or Art Project gives them 10 cards. Um, or Deescalation lets them archive three cards. When they have those cards in their hand, yes, they can play a few extra cards, but really the Biggest benefit is that they're going to play a few extra cards and then their next two turns they'll be able to play like four or five cards as well, right? Um, but this says you have one turn with all of those cards and then they're going down the drain, right? right. <laughs> it's totally. like it's really, it's really threatening in combination with the, some of the stuff that Equanon does. Um, and I think maybe out of all of these, it feels like the most synergistic with the, with the house. So I want to ask, have either of you two played this one in person? Yeah. Yeah, it's a little rough. So <laughs> I rough. literally, like, yesterday, what, what are we recording this? Two days ago at my local, someone we, we did sealed, someone pulled this and played it against me. And with Grim Reminders being new-ish yes. and me having to change my hand every single turn it's the longest game I've ever played at. Like, we don't time our locals. Our locals are just yeah. like chill hangouts. And I was like, all right, well, I like I don't know the names of the cards well enough to look at my Archon card and decide that like I'm going to like mastermind figuring out what's probably coming up, but also like not being able to plan my turns until I draw back up and knowing that it was going to be new every single time. Like that game was probably over an hour. And I, I have to say, like, I believe that it is a good card. It is not the funnest card because I I do appreciate that if I were playing a deck I was familiar with, like if I was playing in Archon and someone placed it against me, I would be ready to play against it, especially like in Alliance. I can see a slew of curses, like an Alliance being made of all of the curses together being like oppressive and beautiful, but in that case, I would know what I was playing. And I do think that I made everyone else's experience a lot less enjoyable because I was I was not, like, I didn't just give up. But I also feel like had I just given up, it wouldn't have been fun for my opponent because my opponent had, like, it came in their sealed deck and they decided to play it. So as much as I think this 
card is a very good card, especially in Archon and Alliance. I think in Sealed, it's just, it's not necessarily a... A, a fun, casual, nice thing to play. And I know that uh, the curses themselves, overall, I have a, a teensy bit of that feeling towards it, but at least this one affects the amount of time it takes to play the game. Mm, interesting. That is interesting. I personally, as somebody who's read every card 10 times at this point, um, I would find that really fun because it's like, oh, cool, I get to see way more of this seal deck, right? Especially if you're playing like blind seal. <laughs> it's like, oh, who? I, yeah. I was, thankfully this wasn't my first game, but I was playing Blind Sealed and, and I had one whole game with it before uh, Curse of Spontaneity was, was placed upon me. That's cool. So this is the card that I did the video on, was Curse of Spontaneity. This was the card that I did my video on that I've gotten multiple times and gotten to try out. Oh my gosh. And my verdict was that I actually think this card is not a good curse for Grim Reminders. And, and what I mean by that is like, I don't think it, it's really that bad in Grim Reminders. Like you giving it to the opponent, I don't think you're being that mean. And if you can wrap your head around, like I'm just going to play as much as I can and utilize what I got and just cycle, 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 cycle. You get haunted faster with this card. You Even if you flip your deck, it doesn't matter because you're going to go that much faster into what you need. And if you have a situation where you're like, I just got a great board and I don't have much to play out on my hand, cool beans. I can just get to the cards yeah. I want for this faster. So I actually like want to sometimes get this card back. Like I want to play this on myself. Yeah. I don't want to give this to my <laughs> opponent. That's how I feel about this with Grim Reminders. Yeah. I think it's a, so a cool funny. thing. Yeah. I don't think this is a, a strong curse in terms of like you're doing something negative to your opponent. If they can't wrap their head around what happened to them, then it could be more detrimental. But if you can just roll with the punches on this one and be like, hey, cool, I'm just going to pivot and just utilize and and go, yeah. I think it, it's a, it's a, it can be actually a boon to your opponent rather than a curse. That's a true. I'm thinking of our favorite um, screaming cave enthusiast, Dave Cordero, <laughs> would probably, like, I don't know, probably discard this for him. Like, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Yeah, yeah he'll, I just, he'll just like, it's abuse good. the heck of out of like yeah playing the same house and be like yeah i might draw more of it cool <laughs> yeah like, totally yeah. And you make an awesome point good. like i didn't consider the fact that like in that deck were a handful of things that like i needed to be haunted to do and like i was haunted so much because of this card that i didn't necessarily experience the detriment of not being haunted and and feeling that feeling instead i felt like well it's now or never so now i play them so i guess you're right i i like didn't see the fact that I was haunted and this helped me in that case where a lot of the other cards in my deck wouldn't have gotten me there as quickly mm -hmm. like there's that that one equidon creature which is when you play it you take control of an opponent's artifact and then they get control of the mm -hmm. creature i thought about oh maybe i should do this for myself because if i understand this card <laughs> and i can cycle i'll give them this creature and then i actually get this artifact back for me and then if they're like why did you just do that and they're like cool and then they don't want to attack you or anything because they don't want to have to take an artifact like i i think it's um it's oh, pretty interesting cool. but but i do i do agree with uh, with uh june wholeheartedly that i think this card when you go grim reminders versus other sets it will put in work. Like it's going to put in a lot of work and be so disruptive that if yeah. they're not a player who can see past like the sculpting, like like Genka decks, for example, you're looking to craft. If you're you suddenly can't hold, you have to just be like, okay, I'm in trouble here. I, I think it's going to be really good outside of Grim Reminders versus Grim Reminders. Yeah. It also makes except auto encoder decks. I was just be happy. Say, no, not at all. So the archiving either is if you can if you have it's controlled archiving is great because oh, you're yeah. putting all of one house. But if you have random archiving, this kills auto encoder decks because if they have three good houses in their archives, they don't get to hold on to oh, their hand yeah. for turn two and turn three. They lose all of so the true. other two houses. And that's actually one of the things that made my experience a little bit worse was I had random archiving in my Grim Reminders. And so that way I did have some random things in there. And then sometimes it wasn't random, but my choices were, my best choices were of other houses. So I, I didn't necessarily get to archive craft either. Actually, mm -hmm. I don't know, Sydney, because the truth is it's it's same, same. Because you pull your whole archives to your hand, you choose to play what you want, and then you discard it and put it back into your archives. Yeah. So you're actually not... How are you putting it back into your archives? 
Okay. Through the I've cart. got I've I'm doing some mental math right now, and actually, Sydney, it's like, okay, so uh, you play spontaneous, a uh, curse of spontaneity on me. I have auto encoder. Um, I play out three cards. End of my turn, I discard three, archive three, and then draw six. Next turn, I have nine cards. I pull my archives. I play three, three or four cards. I discard oh, five. I archive five. Oh. Next turn, I pull eleven cards. I play five cards. I discard six. I archive six. It, it starts stacking. I, I don't know. If yeah, it's, I guess you're yeah. right. You're seeing that math really, really does work because in my head, it doesn't scale like that. Like if every turn yeah. I only had a couple of more, but because you're yeah. discarding, you're archiving more. Yeah, that's crazy. Every card of lost value is also an extra archive. So wow. it's, it stacks up. Yeah. I mean, Love if it. you could somehow let them do it a couple times and then destroy their otter encoder, so now they're stuck with this jumbled archives. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, so, okay, let's go on to the next one. So, June, you went first. Now, Sydney, what's mm-hmm. what's your favorite curse? Because I know you you like them the least. So let's see. What's the most friendly curse is what we're going to find out right now, I feel so like. So actually, that's literally <laughs> what I was going to say is that, so I have... I have varying feelings about multiples of these, but the one that I I wanted to bring up is the only one with a pip, cursed tomb. Is that mm. is that is that a is that a curse? Are we considering that a curse, or is that not one of our curses? No, that's not a curse. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't have a treachery. Oh. Yeah. Okay, it's just double sided artifact. All right, all right, fine. Because that is <laughs> nice try, that though. I, nice try. I know, right? Like trying to get away with it here. All right, fine. So in that case, I guess. Oh my gosh, so many of these. I guess the the Brobnar one, I will also say like the your point to the art, June, this this Mars art on the Brobnar Curse of Cowardice was really, really cool. Um, but so this one, lots of text. Again, so much text that they didn't define treachery. At the end of your turn, if you did not use any creatures to fight this turn, lose two. If there are no friendly creatures in play, destroy Curse of Cowardice. I really like that it has a thing on it that will destroy itself. I really like mm-hmm. that it goes away if its requirements aren't met. So it is the least mean of all of the ones here. And also, not going to lie, kind of like the least painful because losing two isn't bad. And if you if you don't have any what? friendly creature, well, losing two once, <laughs> like only losing two number uh, one uh, isn't bad. Like if you have no cre- friendly creatures in play, that's the turn you're because you're going to lose two because you didn't fight. And then you destroy the curse of cowardice. Am I getting the rules right? Am I am I totally off? Yeah. yeah. Okay. You are right. So so in the turn where you are trying to get rid of curse of cowardice, let's say you board wipe or somehow are able to go a turn without creatures, you're only losing two amber to get rid of this curse. So actually, if you board wipe, if I board wipe during my turn while I have the curse, mm-hmm. it. Um, oh no, you're you're so correct. It's all one effect. It's one end of turn effect. Right. So yeah. if there are no friendly yeah. creatures in play, so I would have gotten rid of them during the turn. I guess I could have fought yeah. before I board wiped just so I wouldn't lose the two amber. But let's say like this is played early on me and uh, you don't have any creatures. So I can't fight. Like Curse of Cowardice yeah. in a deck where I don't have any creatures and I'm putting Curse of Cowardice on your side, like incredibly effective. So there there are ways to get rid of it, which is why I think it's the one of the least mean of all of them. I will also say like, if I have like under, I've been thinking about how to make it more mean because uh, <laughs> uh, that's my job. Uh, but um, I'm thinking about like under pressure or like Phobivore or like stuns and exhaust and like you can just never get rid of that creature and like <laughs> even fight it off. Right. I like it. Yeah. I, I will say that the one thing that I, I like this one too. I think this is a, this is a great one. Um, I will say that the the last line of text of being a condition to remove it, I think that should have mm-hmm. been more thematic throughout the curses. Like Curse of Spontaneity could have said, if at the start of your draw steps turn, you discard six or more cards destroy curse of spontaneity so it's like you chose not to play mm-hmm. anything and discard your whole hand that turn then mm-hmm. then you got to remove it so you took an l in some format right and then as a result now the curse is gone because you you took a detriment to not continue it so i think that would have been like like um yeah that's just how i feel i think they all needed something like that to make it more especially um the curse that i want to talk about but uh, june or- even like a three turn timer or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah put like counters on it and afterwards. Yeah. yeah. So 
My favorite curse is the curse of obstinacy. And this is the one that falls under Star Alliance. And June knows very well why I like this curse. (laughs) And it says, at the end of your turn, stun each friendly non-flank creature that shares a house with one of its neighbors. This card is amazing. You can make it so that you don't need a board wipe. And the way things are laid out can create a basically forever you don't get to use this creature for your opponent. As as like June, we so we June and I played against each other, my menagerie deck, and I got a cursed menagerie deck, which was a lot of fun. And I had it had zero board control except for this card. And I, I can't remember <laughs> that we were on a table, and all I remember was that creatures went from one edge of the table to the other on June's <laughs> side. And June could only use like three or four creatures, even though there was like 14 creatures I felt like on the board because. Yeah, because how do you solve that? Cursed. Once once your creatures are in play, they get stunned so they can't fight to die. You literally have to start killing yeah. your own creatures. Yes. Yep. It was wow. it was wild. June still won, even though I had like a four curse deck, but it was it created just this. I, I don't know. How did you overcome this? Because you had to just kind of come to terms with the situation and. Um, I think I had one of those like winds of exchange artifacts, like the outposts, which right. let me put like important ones back on under my deck, and then I just played an action heavy deck and like out out ambered you. Yeah, <laughs> like even with that with the curse of cowardice, I was like, I'll just make uh, three more amber than you do. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was really interesting. So I I like this for that reason, and and I, I don't know how you would put that extra t- like this would probably need a timer, I think, of counters like at the end of the turn remove a counter because I don't know how you just make this one work. Or if like if, if you have, all of your creatures are stunned except for your flank, yeah. But I, like that could go off way easier too. Like you could get rid of that, I yeah. think too. So this just it's, proves it's really artifact fun. control. Artifact control is yeah. how you do it. Like you have you have a auction off even because you get an amber then for killing a uh, an artifact on your own side. Like I swear, like I am if I am playing against a Grim Reminders deck in any Archon setting, I am packing artifact control from this point <laughs> forward. Yep. So yeah, that's that's why I, I think this one is really powerful and it, it can do a lot. And it, it, I think it really actually uh, buys you time in a game because of the disruption level that it does. Like you can, it like it essentially says, I don't care how big your board is, I'm still gonna be like your board size is irrelevant, and that's actually really interesting. I think. I think this also, this one in particular, if you, like, once I get good enough to read an Archon card to know which of these curses are which and know that it's in your deck and expect it and see it coming, I feel like this is one you can kind of play against because of the flank and uh, the shares a house. Like, there are two requirements there where once you start building your board, you can put a... um, you can put your creatures on your flanks that maybe share a house with the ones next to it. And then the ones on the flanks won't get uh, stunned. So you put your most important creatures out there. And then if you like start doing every other, this one is probably one of the only ones here that I could see sometimes possibly having zero effect. Well, here's the thing. If I play like star Alliance, Brabnar star Alliance, like if that's my three creatures in the middle, Mm -hmm. And then Blake removes the Brabnar creature in the middle. Like I, they get stuck together, and I can yeah. never rinse them. Though. Just target removal, right? and then the rest takes care of itself. So y- yeah. you can play around it, but it's limited. Like it's you'll, it'll still get yeah. there in the end. That's why I think it's really it's a really interesting um, card, and you have to really start getting creative with how you're going to play. That's that's honestly the reason why I like curses is it creates you as the person who's been cursed is as detrimental as it may seem it actually just requires you to to suddenly start playing keyforge in a unnatural way you got to start thinking what am i going to do start planning what's going to happen um so i just want to go over to another curse right here because it's the perfect segue with this like for example the curse of forgetfulness which is the geistoid one which is at the end of your turn purge the top card in your discard pile so you now got to start thinking okay Especially with when you have Geist, if you have Geistoid yourself, you're you're utilizing things in your your discard, and the top card is important. If you have like a Mamet, or if you're looking to archive things, anything like that, you got to start deciding what card do I want to end up last in my discard pile when I end my turn, so that 
it will go and I'm okay with that being gone because you could technically start crafting your deck like this card isn't important I'm gonna let it get purged so on the flip I don't have to de- like I, I don't need it I can I can become a little bit more efficient but it, it creates this way where you got to start planning how am I gonna deal with the loss of a card permanently at the end of my turn like how am I gonna move forward with this and I think that's kind of something that's interesting that curses provide. This is one where I honestly see the most. So you asked before, like which one I thought was the least mean. I think I don't think this one is the least mean because I still think it's mean, but I think it's the one that the opponent can take the most advantage of because there is very often cards in my deck I don't care to see again. And I think the the one inset problem is that if you're trying to have a huge discard pile, you're trying to be haunted, it is just reducing the number of cards in your deck. So like big boards or lots of purge or lots of archive do or big hands, like all of these other places your cards can be do reduce the chance that you're haunted. So this this curse would be fantastic with there's another artifact that allows you to count the uh, cards in your purge pile or like so in general, I think this curse though in against a deck that isn't Grim Reminders, if you're playing this in Archon against a different set, you have to be wary that you're not helping your opponent mm-hmm. try and and like thin their deck. Because I even in the, like the the most crafted alliance decks, there are still cards that are always the least useful for me. So I I think this card is the trickiest to choose to play. But once if it's played against me, is one that I can try and get the most benefit out of. Yep. I would agree. Yeah, I think it does provide um, that interest to it. Okay, which one do you want to talk about next, June? I would say Curse of Confusion, because I want to follow up on something you said about Curse of Obstinacy. Curse of Confusion um, exhausts each friendly creature of the active house um, at the end of your turn. So if I call on Unfathomable, put a bunch of Unfathomable creatures out, um, and end my turn... Uh, I will ready them, and then I'll exhaust all of them. Um, so it's almost a little bit like a storm surge. Um, it's a uh, it's pretty tough, and it's it also it's also like a little bit like it's a mix of Ulfbert device, yes, which prevents you from calling that. the same house next turn, and storm surge, um, and it leads to just like the building of big boards without the ability to like use them right away. So it delays stuff and it makes like any other form of exhaustion, like really rough. Cause if I like exhaust them in, in the one window of you where you, you get them back ready. Um, it's just like another like two turns before you get to try to use them again. Um, and cause it's unfathomable. You probably have, there's, the, there's a, a yeah. so you do have more cards that can further exhaust on top of it. So it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I like that Unfathomable has adopted exhaust as like its its thing. Like mm-hmm. I think it's a, it's something that was not in the game um, mm-hmm. too potently, and now it's just a theme of Unfathomable, and and I enjoy it. I think yeah, it's also one where if you are the one that it it's on your side, playing around it isn't too easy. Like choosing a house is something that's going to dictate your whole turn and using the creatures that are from that house are usually part of the deal. But if you can't do that, it's, it just, it makes your choices so much harder. I, I think that it is the, the most oppressive use of exhaust that we've seen. Mm -hmm. It is a little bit less valuable against, um, winds of exchange decks because they often are creating tokens of a different house than they're currently in. So it's not as good as, um, dealing with tokens as you might hope. That's more curse of obstinacy's job. (laughs) Um, but the reason why I really like these two is that you said like, like that it kind of replaced the need for creature control in your deck. But not only does it do that, it actually increases the value of the creature control in your deck. Um, because these creatures are getting put out and not used, you can kind of like not worry about them for a while. And then once they figure out like how to unexhaust or unstun them, you're like, okay, I'm going to play my board wipe now. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to destroy 15 creatures <laughs> instead of like five. And it's, it's, I, I think they have a really cool place in like looking at your deck and seeing how you can change the tempo of your deck and um, how these curses will play into your game plan, not just how they're going to mess with your opponent. Um, and those two do a lot for that. 
this is also my favorite art of all the curses. Is the curse? It looks creation. like the Lion King, you know, when Mufasa yeah. is like looking up at Scar <laughs> and like that that face, but also he looks like kind of a lion. Like I, I just that's I can't not think of that. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I, I do. I do think this is a is a cool one, and it does provide. I think as the player who's cursed, you're you're just now with a mindset is. I call this house every other turn and every house you call, it's like you, you call this house, you take a turn off and then you call the next house. You have to almost like bounce back and forth between your houses, which is obviously not efficient, but the faster you can wrap your mind around, that's what you're doing. The, the more you'll just get on track with being able to, to move forward with this as uh, something that's impeding you with maybe the game plan you want to do, but it'll still get you there. All right, Sydney, which one's next for you? So I'm totally going to pull out the uh, the Curse of Fertility here because I guess, so to be honest, this one is probably the least mean just simply because it helps the opponent yeah. instead of hurts you. And I do think though that this is actually probably one of the the ones that you can leave be the most. Like if you have artifact control, having your opponent gain one amber a, a every turn that you didn't play a creature is still bad but it's like it's it's a race like if you can outpace that one amber every turn you don't play a creature then you're not worried about it as much it's not affecting your game plan so i think it's also like it's very very untamed themed like it's very much a like not in the vein of of cutthroat and in the vein of helping and not really mm-hmm. affecting discard piles or like, you know, the kinds of themes that you see in the other houses. I, I think that that is, it's definitely one that I would not be afraid to play against a nine-year-old if I sat across the table from someone I didn't <laughs> want to be mean to. I also like that it's, you know, untamed you associate with play a creature, gain an ember sort of mechanics. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of got that to it. I think that's really interesting. The one thing I will say though, it's mean in the sense that if you're playing and your opponent has five and ember and they're not paying attention, and then in the turn suddenly they just gave you six and you forge and they just totally were like, oh, they're not on check, cool. But you didn't play any creatures because you maybe utilized your board. That's where it can it can really <laughs> get you. Totally. I don't think Teliga is in this set, um, which is a untamed witch that um, causes you to gain an amber when your opponent plays a creature. No, Teliga's not. I think it could show up with which queen um but it'd be really funny to have curse of fertility and Teliga. so oh, yeah. you're kind of like damned if, you do, damned, uh, damned if you do damned if you don't right. or like yeah. haunting witch or anything that ha- affects you if you like are playing creatures or not playing creatures no all right so the last curse we have is curse of disappearance and i actually think this is one of the most aggressive turn one cards you could ever play mm-hmm. and i know this because this is one of the curse I had in my curse deck. And the very first time I played this deck was against Sky Jedi Luke. It was the very first time I played it. And turn one, I put this against him. And he said to me, why did I design the card this way? Like, it should have had some <laughs> way to be removed. Like, this is so mean. Because it's, um, let's just say what Curse of Disappearance is before we get too carried away here. It says, at the end of your turn, put a friendly creature into your opponent's archives. If that card leaves the archives, put it into its owner's hand instead. So that basically means if you start the game... You are losing a creature every single turn for the yes. game moving forward. And if you have a low creature count, it doesn't even matter how it works. The sooner that's out, the sooner your opponent is literally having to make really tough decisions. If you only have one creature to play in a whole bunch of actions, and it's actually a really important creature, you have to make a decision what you're going to do at that moment. It's it's very it's very tough to to play around. Especially if they have no reason to draw their archives. Like the biggest problem I have with this one is the fact that there's nothing. Well, so for most of them, you can't trigger the end of it other than getting rid of the artifact itself. But like if your creatures are just sitting in their archives, there's nothing you can do. You you may in fact be saved if they have an archive heavy deck. But if unless it's sealed, they're not bringing an archive heavy deck and playing Curse of Disappearances against you. So this is yeah. one where it's just so sad watching your creatures go away and thankfully you get to pick which creature it says put a friendly at the end of your turn put a friendly creature into your opponent's archive so you are picking which creature thankfully and so if you do have like a huge amount of creatures or even better if you are playing woe and you have a board of tokens you just like look at the which cards they are and pick the worst one and give it to your opponent so there are ways to like work around this but if you aren't a creature heavy deck but you do have some important creatures this is just oh it's painful 
It's true. Um, and I'll also say, like, as a person playing Curse of Disappearances, um, you can just keep the creatures in your um, in your uh, archive uh, and say, like, you're never getting these back. Um, but if they're giving you kind of like just whatever creatures creatures that they'd actually like to remove from their deck, you can just say, okay, I'm going to pull my archives every turn. And basically one of your creatures is getting bounced to your hand at the end of all your turns, um, which is disrupting their um, draw, their yeah. draws. Yeah, it's, it's, it's that's also one. really rough. Or you can wait yeah. until yeah. that you have like three or four in your archives of different houses. And so like then giving them a enough back where like they're not drawing at the end of that turn yeah Ooh, i like yeah. it i like it yeah and then hopefully the archons blessed you when you have curse of just Dis disappearance with a memrox the red and then you're really laughing with this card because <laughs> you just got a crazy burst potential as well i love oh memrox gosh. i think i think it's such a, a great card it's it's definitely one of my favorite mars cards just just on Art alone, never mind the fact that you could have this cool burst ability with your archives from scoop ups and things like this. I, I really like it. So I have an overall question about curses in general. How how much do you think that that memory plays a role in this? Like, let's say after like two or three turns, you've forgotten the trigger once. Like these aren't maze a lot of these are required so and like for curse of confusion you you're halfway through your turn and we forgot to uh exhaust your your opponent's creatures and so you have to like remember what house they played or like you for curse of cowardice you have to remember if they like played a creature or not or, or used a creature to fight so like for me my biggest fear is that like every single turn you are checking to see if a requirement is met yeah. Is that a thing that, that has crossed either of your minds? Well, yeah, I played against Blake, who had <laughs> four of these out against me. It actually, like, it maybe was easier when there were four to remember something's going to happen at the end, but it was really actually very fun for me to, at the start of the turn, be like, okay, which of the, one of these are, am I okay triggering this turn? It was, like, almost like playing like a like a video game where like i have to like dance through all these like conditions it i was really that fun. you're even like okay so i've done yeah. this i've done that <laughs> yeah. and then you're like doing a checklist as you're going through your turn yeah. is there any miss like you wouldn't end your turn until you until you checked out okay i'm good i've got everything ready and turn let's <laughs> yeah. send these it's funny it was like an actual checklist that june would verbally say okay so i played a creature i've fought this turn Perfect. Okay, we're done. It was it was really funny. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> it was cool. So, Blake, then yeah. for you, because you had a, a creature packet, that meant that you or a curse packet, you had a lot of curses on uh, June's side of the board. So you had a lot less cards in your deck. You had at least four cards in your deck. You were never going to see in your discard pile. Did you find it affected how you got haunted, or did it just not play a factor into that at all? Um. I it was it was I very, I think June might have been the only person I got all of them out, but June also had artifact control, so June then had to decide which of the four to destroy. So that happened, but it, they were all also in uh, Geistoid, so I got them. They were all legacies. Oh. They were like legacy ones, yeah. So they worked that way, and it was just I I didn't really notice it that much, to be honest. Like it wasn't a huge a huge thing, but I I can't remember if the deck relied on being haunted a great deal because the sure. other two houses I think yeah I, I can't remember but I think it was I, I didn't think of it it was more just like it was hilarious watching people have to deal with these I two. think the curse packet usually showed up in Geistoid so it covered like a lot of the needs for Haunted oh, good point. Um, by having all those cards in it yeah and then it also yeah. it was actually I think called it wasn't I don't think it was called the curse packet it was called the treachery packet because it also came with the the creature that's versatile and treachery and destroys flank it came that way so it was all those plus that was how it worked gotcha interesting i wonder if in a grim reminders deck having like having a lot of treachery cards even like if you don't get them all played at the same time like if that would affect how haunted you are yeah that's true so my final thought for this is after looking at all these and going into discussion, I realized that the next step I want to do is create a Curses Commander deck. Since I have my Menagerie Ooh. deck, can, pot can be used, <laughs> and then all the other ones I have that I've opened. 
Like, what happens if you have two Curse of Disappearances out? What then? <laughs> oh, gosh. I would absolutely play with these things, with any any mean thing in Commander, because that way you don't really have to like worry about it just affecting you. Like you have a slew of people to choose who to put the curses against. Also, if the curses are being too mean to someone, they are going to fight against you for it. I think like the a curse deck in Commander would be a super fun way to play with the curses. And also like you're risking your your social interactions with people during the game by choosing who to put your curses against. I think that's a great idea, Blake. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean my my only experience with Commander is becoming the bad man right from the get-go everyone <laughs> ganging up on me so it's i feel like that's just how commander works in my mind yeah <laughs> it's so funny yeah i would love to see that so yeah that's what, that's what i think i'm going to start building um that's going to be that's going to be on my my list because for me the uh, unchained and menagerie decks are are the most fun concepts for building commander since um their yeah. use is so limited outside of something it's nice having yeah. something they can be utilized in more fully do you, so you think you're gonna find another um, curses menagerie pod? No, I'm gonna. I actually don't <laughs> want to do that because I don't want to have an overloaded yeah. geistoid with just like it's all curses. Oh, I'd, I'd like point. to have it supplemented so that I can when I call my other houses, yeah. I'm I'm having fuel. I just think that's gonna be that concentration of them is gonna be the starting point for me. Oh, yeah. yeah. But what if you like you were playing with just two houses and the one geistoid house was all curses? <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. Um, another thing I've been thinking of, maybe you can use this in your deck, is that Transitory Philosopher oh, is yes. a creature, it's a rare Equidon creature, it's five power and it has action, steal one for each enemy artifact. Like, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay, um, I'm going to look for those, that's a great idea. Written try down. that in. Yeah, no, 100%. <laughs> my, my, the one thing I wanted to say about curses, is like, I hear the words curse curses and treachery and you know what i think of i think of pirates <laughs> um <laughs> uh, and i hope they come back in amber skies yeah. and you know maybe learn some lessons from curse of fertility or something or curse of cowardice um but i think it'd be really cool to see them back recontextualized from like magical curses to like pirate curses yeah i like that idea too and I, I think so. So my like summary on curses is I think this also adds to one of the reasons why I have a harder time meshing with Grim Reminders. And that's because I have such a hard time being mean. Like if <laughs> if I am sitting across from someone who I don't want to play one of these against, I'll hold it. And the problem is I'll hold it because if I discard it, then they'll be like, why isn't she playing it? And so I'll hold it. So they don't know <laughs> that I'm holding it. They don't know that it's not being played against them. So like, it's also something that only happens in, in casual or like when I'm teaching a new player, but like. So it only I, happens when Sydney plays Keyforge. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, I do think that the puzzle that you two have presented me with how to work with these or around these, or I guess if I have more in my own decks, I can see the other side of it. Because I think most of these have been used against me when I see them, but I, I do think that it will take more experience for me to get comfortable with them. And even then, like it's like an uphill battle. So we'll see. Mm. We'll see how I, I feel about these once I get more exposure. Yeah. Okay, well... I'm going to save my my wrap-up for our titular segment, which, of course, we call Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. And the reason why I wanted to save mine for this moment is because I feel curses are a great lesson. And the lesson that I would like everyone to consider when curses come into play against you is your response should not be some sort of expletive to, to scream out your frustrations, but it should actually be an excitement of opportunity for getting to play Keyforge in a way you wouldn't normally do, especially with a deck. Learning how to utilize your deck in a context that is abnormal to how you normally would go about it 
is a great learning opportunity and a great way to flex your Keyforge mind and how are you going to overcome this. So it's a challenge and a chance for a new discovery with how your deck can play under a new constraint that you haven't been put under before. And so instead of being in this position where you're like, oh, I have to deal with this, it's more like, okay, how am I going to deal with this? Like, I'm a great player. How can I work my way around this? So it's a great way for you to learn your deck and how it can function under a different way you haven't had to deal with before. So look at it as a positive and a new way to enjoy Keyforge uh, that you haven't been able to do before. A hundred percent. That's how I feel about it. That's honestly how I feel about playing against Eaton's Char is like, okay, I've depended on these cards for like my entire life, like Cronus. <laughs> like, how am I gonna how am I gonna survive with Becky without Cronus? Um but then you make it work and it's like, oh, okay, I'm learning new things about my deck. This is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I love that mindset because I I simply will just, I will adopt it. That is that is how I'm going to look at these going forward and I probably will have a much better experience. Yeah, you won't get stressed and then you get to just keep enjoying Keyforge just in a different way than you thought you were going to. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that does it for this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed hearing about curses and I also hope that your mindset towards curses has maybe been swayed some way or another and uh, if you wish to reach out to us you can go to our discord plain and simple talk to us on our discord that's where we want to interact with you um we we're not really active on anything else it's just our discord it's the place to be if we're going to be honest like i i don't know about other discords but it seems like everyone's there even people from other channels come to ours to have hang out and have discussions so it must be a good place to be so just come reach out to us there um you can find it's true it's true true. i'm deleting i'm deleting all my other discords (laughs) here we go yeah there's June. This is the only one I need. So if you need to reach out to June, just at June in the Help from Future Self Discord, and you can find her there. Sydney, how can people find you on the Discord? So I actually, I recently changed my name from SC Steel to Sydney on Perfect. the inside uh, yep. the Discord, and that's for multiple reasons. One is when uh, Gigi reached out to my store owner, they were so nice enough to mention my name and hilariously spell it wrong. So everybody had a good laugh. So now everyone can spell my name because that's how you spell my name. You'll see it in the Discord. Sydney with a Y. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you can find myself, Blake, on the Discord there. And if you want to check out my in-depth personal discussion about Curse of Spontaneity, head over to my YouTube and see that it was a a fun discussion. I I actually really like this card, but I don't like that I have to give it to my opponent. That's where I stand with it. (laughs) So um, thanks everyone for tuning in this week. Um, We will get at you next week. And as always, stay forging.